And amen. It is good to be with you. I um, need to start by saying, well, I, let me ask a question. Have you ever been in an area of your life where you're like, God, I believe in you, but this isn't going to change. Like this dysfunction, this mess, this relationship, this whatever it is, I've dealt with it, I've struggled with it, and it's always going to be this way. Can I share a dysfunction of mine? I've got many, okay? So, um, there was an ailment, <laughs> I don't know if it's an ailment or a dysfunction or what it was, but uh, something I wrestled with even as a kid. And it started in elementary school, and it plagued me through elementary school at Salem St. Mary's as I wore my blue pants, my white shirt, and my red sweater every day. It, yeah, that's right. And then, ele or then middle school plagued me, high school it plagued me, and college it plagued me. And I got to a point, God, it's never going to get better. It's always going to be this way. And I know you're wondering, what, what, what was it? Well, I'll tell you. Um, I've shared a part of this before, but in the fourth grade, um, something pivotal happened in my life, and it was during um, a speech time, and speech, we didn't call it speech because we acted out a speech, so you had to get up and memorize something and then act it out like a play almost, a one-man play. We called it declam, but no one here knows what that word means. You think it's some sort of a disease. You, oh, you got declam? Yeah, I got that too. So uh, it's not that. It's, um, <laughs> but that's what we called it, and I was getting ready to go on stage I'll never forget how nervous I was, and my stomach started to turn, and it was not good. And I don't know if it's because I was sitting kitty corner for Mary Beth, and I knew that she loved me, and I knew that I had to get up in front of her, and I had to do this in front of her, and, and I was nervous about that. But my stomach started to turn, and things started to happen, and sweat started to roll down because I knew I was next. And as I sat there praying to God that no, nothing bad was going to happen, Mount St. Monty was about to erupt. And not in a good way. So I'm, I'm sitting there at my desk waiting for the kid to finish up his declam, his speech. And I'm sitting there and I got real religious because I'm like, this is not going to be good. And I'm in the clinch. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm like, God, I, this can't happen. This can't be the way this goes down. I can't be known as that guy. And I'm struggling and I'm wrestling and I'm clinching and I'm praying. And I'm sitting there praying to God and I'm like, God, I believe in you, but I need you to show up. God, I need you to release this from me. Okay, wrong choice of words, okay? I'm just going to say it. Because he released it in a way that I will never forget and traumatize me forever. In a series of intermittent noises and squeals and whistles, he released it out of me. You know what I'm talking about. And all my friends are looking at me and they're laughing and they're going crazy. Mary Beth never dated me. I mean, it was over. My life was over. That, every time I got real nervous, my, my stomach would start to turn. And Mount St. Monty would start to erupt. And it, it happened in fourth grade. And it happened. I'm not kidding you. All high school, I, mean, I would just get nervous. And it was a psychological thing that it just, I'm like, God, this is always the way it's going to be. High school. So I, I knew I had, to, I had to position myself to where I was never in a situation where I would get real nervous. I always had to like, okay, I can never make myself real nervous because I get worked up and then that's going to happen and I'm going to be known. I'm already known as that guy, so it doesn't matter. But, but I joined wrestling and that was a mistake because you get nervous on the mat. I don't know if you've ever wrestled, but you get nervous out there. So why would I do that to myself? I'm out there with one other guy. I got to win. I'm in front of hundreds of people and I'm wearing tights, okay? When I should have been wearing Depends. I'm, I'm not lying, okay? It was bad. So I won't get into that story. I, th I think I've told that one another time, but... My point is this, I really believe, God, this is the way it's, I mean, I'll always get nervous, I'll, I'll, this will always happen, I'll always get this upset stomach, I'll, I'll, it'll always be this way. Maybe for you it's not that. It might, be, it might be a prayer, though, that you've been praying, that God hasn't shown up, and you prayed your prayer with big, bold expectations, God, ladies, maybe it was God, give me a man. 
And you were bold, and you were specific like you should be. I want him tall, dark, handsome. God, I want this man to have a career, to make some good money. I want him to love kids. I want him to love Hallmark movies. I want him to love Christmas music in early November. I want him to love all these things, God. But after a few years of God not showing up, your prayers have changed, and you've lowered your expectations, and now it's God. I want a man. That's it, just a man breathing, you know, whatever. You know, you've lowered, you used to be, I want to be this parent that, that is so good to my kids. I never want to lose my temper. I always want to, I want to be their best friend. I want, to, I want them to come to me like, like, like I'm their best friend and I want to read them Bible stories. And I'm going to pray with them and we're going to be in activities and it's going to be so great. But after a few years, your prayers change. And it's like, God, I just want to be a parent that doesn't kill my kids. That's all I want to be. That's it, God, nothing. You know, it changes. And maybe for you, it's a health issue. Maybe you've been praying for uh, physical or emotional or spiritual healing in your life. You've been praying for years, but you've gotten to the point, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't think this is ever going to change. I, I'm always going to have this to function. I'm always going to struggle with depression. I'm always going to have this addiction. I don't think things will change. And that's where we're at today. I, God, I believe in you. I just, don't, I just don't see much hope for what's going on in my life. Is there hope let me share uh, a couple verses, and I'm going to give you a teaching out of the Bible. The couple verses are from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4. Now, Paul, say Paul. Paul was a, a great guy that was transformed by Jesus. He wrote a bunch of letters to churches that he helped plant, and, and these are letters that are recorded in the Bible, but they weren't just for the churches. They were for us. Listen to what Paul says. This is gold. We are human but we don't wage war as humans do, he says. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons to, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. That's what we do. We use God's weapons, his weapons, not ours. Do you know the Greek word translated as strongholds is akuroma? Say akuroma. Woo, speaking Greek, look at you go. Akuroma. You know that, so when you break that word down, it, it, it means locked up. It means imprisoned. Can I show you, Casey, can, can you bring up a, bring up, yeah, my jail, my jail. It's not the first time your pastor's been in jail. So anyway, bring that up, and I'm going to show you something here. Because some of you, you're, you're, in, the, you're in the world of Akuroma, and you are locked up. And you are imprisoned in your mind, in your mess, in your dysfunction, in your jail. See, sometimes we get in a jail and we get stuck. See if I can figure this thing out. Yeah. See, this is where some of you are today. You're in a jail. You are in a dysfunction. You are in a mess. And here's what the devil has done. The devil has convinced you that this is as good as it's ever going to get. Like, this is the way it's been. This is the way it will always be, will be. I wonder what strongholds you need to tear down today. I wonder what jail, what, what, where you're locked up, you need to rip down today. This is so key. For some of you, it's, it's, it's in your mind, and it is the depression, the anxiety, which are very real things. But today, God is going to show something to you. For others, it might be addiction. It might be drugs, something I'm pretty familiar with. It might be alcohol. It might be, it might be more acceptable things. It could be technology that you struggle with. It could be spending. You get on Amazon, you can't help but buy now, right? It's too good not to. Two-day shipping, I can't pass that up. So it's that. Or it's, or it's cigarettes, or it's vaping, or it's, for some of you, it's caffeine, right? The demon of caffeine. You're addicted to caffeine, and you know it. You know how I know you, you know it? 
Because when you pull into Starbucks, they just have to see your vehicle and they whip your order right up. It's, it, that's a problem, okay? That's a jail. But today, God is going to do something. God is going to show us something. Oh, I'm going to, this stronghold thing, listen to this. This is already your first, your first um, little thing to write down. A lie, say lie. A lie believed as truth will affect you as if it were true. Okay, I'm going to say it again. A lie believed as truth is going to affect you as if it were true. It's not true, but in your life it will be. That, that, that's crazy. So we have a dog named Rudy. Okay, we love Rudy. Not the smartest dog. I'll never claim that he is. And Rudy, what Rudy will do is he, if he gets beyond a perimeter in our, in our lawn, he's gone. Like, he's, we have to put him on a leash because if, if he gets beyond a perimeter, he'll be in Iowa in 25 minutes and we'll never see him again, ever. So that's just how it is. But the Gannons, I know you think we're probably a perfect household. I get, I get all that. We're, we're not, okay, far from it. And we get a little lazy. So when it got cold, you know, these last few days, I mean, it's been nice lately, but last week it was cold and sometimes we get a little lazy and Rudy doesn't like the cold, so we just kind of chance it sometimes and we'll let him out because he's not going to go far because it's cold. Because putting a leash on him takes, you got to go outside, kind of there, hook him up and ah, whatever, that's hard work. So we don't do that sometimes. But Ava... Ava, my daughter, she's a genius. She showed me this trick with Rudy that we can do now. So Rudy, who I told you is not the brightest, but we love him. So Rudy, Ava said, Dad, you can get down with Rudy, and you can pretend, like when we're in the house, grab his collar, and if you pretend you put a leash on him, he'll think there's a leash on him. Like, again, I like, so we are... We mess with this collar. Okay, Rudy. And sure enough, Rudy won't leave the perimeter because Rudy's believed a lie. And a lie believed as truth will affect you as if it's true. So you see what I'm saying? We got to pray for my dog. I know that. Poor guy. See, God can change you. But it won't happen if you don't think he can change you. It won't happen if you don't believe it. When I was in drug rehab second time, I remember sitting there, second day in, miserable, wanted to kill everybody in the place. That's just the mindset I was in. And I was sitting there miserable, and a counselor comes up to me. You know what he says? He says, you, don't, you think this is the way it's going to be. I said, yeah, I do. I, I was ticked off. I said, yeah, this is the way it is. I said, I've been here before. Done it before. Tried hundreds of times before to stop this. Yes, this is the way it's going to be. I didn't care what he said. And he goes, so you're telling me the same God that has the power to make the sunset and the sunrise doesn't have the power to change you. And I said, that's right. I said, that's right. And by the way, moron, he's not making the sun set and rise. It's the earth that's moving, idiot. So I told him. I didn't care. It's like, jeez. But, you know, never try to calm down an addict coming down. He'll kill you. So anyway, I just was messed up. But what are we believing? Where, what are you locked up in? This is just the way that I am. This is just the way we are raised. This is the way it's always going to be. I've always had problems. We'll always have problems. We'll always be in this dysfunction. I'll always be messed up. Okay, we need to stop. Say stop. Stop. Okay, say today we're going to stop believing the lies of the enemy. And we're going to start believing God's truth. We're going to embrace God's truth. It says this, your God is bigger than your problems. And he has the power to change you. Do you believe that today? You better. Because he wants to. I, I got to show you this insane story to help illustrate this. In, in, in John, who was one of Jesus' best friends, in, in, in the Gospel of John, it's the fourth book of the New Testament, so if you brought a Bible or a mobile app, go there. John 5.5, 5. just go to John 5.5, 5, and I'll set it up for you. A bunch of people that are sick and messed up, 
hang out by this pool. And it's where they hang because every so often, an angel will come and stir the water. True story. you got to read it. The Bible's nuts. Stirs the water, and the water starts to bubble up. And the first person who wants it jumps in that water, and they're miraculously healed. It is amazing. So that is the setting. So that is the setting, this pool, this magical paradise pool where the angel will bubble up the water. First person in gets healed. This is, this is well, lean in. John 5, 5. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 38 years in his dysfunction. 38 years he's been in his mess. 38 years when Jesus saw the guy well, he knew he had been ill for a long time because it's Jesus. He just knows everything. So he knew. And he asked him, would you like to get well? Seems odd that you would ask that guy that question. We'll come back to that. The gentleman responded in verse 7, I can't, sir. I can't. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. While, I try, while I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. After Jesus spoke those words, instantly in verse 9, it says, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. One of the most, one of the most amazing miracles in the word of God. Something that happened for this man. But as I looked at the scripture this week and prayed for us and prayed for you, some things hit me. Like, like number one, remember when he, 38 years, say 38. So 38's a long time. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, you ask him if he wants to get well. And I think to myself, well, does he? Does he really want to get well? Do, you, we would think it's a given, but is it? Because sometimes you and I, when we're in the mess that we're in, we learn to function in our dysfunction. We, we do. So all of a sudden, what, what, what all of a sudden was bad, oh, this is not where I want to be. This isn't what God's plan was for my life. But I've been here long enough. Gosh, it's been a couple years. God, I've been praying to you a couple years. You're not showing up. Well, remember how we lower expectations? What was bad all of a sudden becomes bearable. It's like, ah, oh, this ain't bad. I mean, I could use some carpet, but I, I could maybe make this work. And, and pretty soon what's bearable all of a sudden becomes normal. And it's like, wow, this isn't bad at all. I mean, I got my phone, you know. I got my remote, which every guy needs a remote. You know, pretty soon you become kind of comfortable in the cage, don't you? And it's like, dang it, I can hang out here. This isn't quite, Casey, you got a pill? Oh, thank you. It wasn't my back hurts. So get that through there. Yes, now, now. yeah, all of a sudden, mm, that's good. All of a sudden we become comfortable in the cage, don't we? And pretty soon what was bad is now normal. And we sit in our dysfunction and we sit in our mess and, we th and, and pretty soon, we don't even mind it. This is insane. This is insane thinking. The dysfunction that we live in sometimes, but, it, but it's been so long. It's been 38 years, Jesus. That's why Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? The guy's like, I don't know. You know, got the remote, got, got, my, got Twitter, got Insta, got, got my, you know, Disney Plus. I mean, I'm set. I am set. This is bad. This isn't bad at all. Functioning in our dysfunction. That's where some of us are today. And if you're there, don't feel too bad. I've been there. Some days I still go there. But what does God want to do today? <laughs> the first step, oh man. The first step in being set free is wanting to be set free. 
The first step in being set free is wanting it. I don't know if I, I don't, did the guy really want it? That's why Jesus is asking the question. Monty, you got your pillow, you got your phone, you got your Disney Plus. I mean, do you need it? You're, you're pretty good in this dysfunction that you're in. You've, you, you've convinced yourself that the, the, the world that you live in is normal. And pretty soon, you know what I start to think? Gosh, I'm the one behind bars, but you know what I think? No, I'm not. This is normal for me. And then we start to deflect and we start to kind of put the, put the, uh, sh- or the spotlight on you. No, I'm not behind bars. You are. I see bars, but you're the one locked up, not me. And we start to, like, justify the actions. And we justify the mess that we're in. And we start to blame and get the spotlight off of ourselves. It's crazy, but we do it. I've done it so many times. The first step in recovery, oh, man, recovery's my life. I love it. The first step, and we all need recovery, trust me. The first step, admit it. Say admit it. Admit, admit that your life is messed up. And that it's unmanageable. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm just picturing every hand up. Because we're all messed up in one way or another. We have to admit it. we got to finally admit, I'm, I, I'm in this mess. I'm in this hole. I've been there a long time. I've just assumed it's normal. I don't, I don't know if I want change. And God says, I have something different for you today. This is what God has for us. We need to admit it. Man, I, I watched, these, I watched this two, these two on social media this week. She, she wasn't admitting it. She's just going, they're going back and forth and fighting. And I'll, I won't explain it. Let me just show you the picture. I mean, this was it. This was, look at this. Isn't that something? You just got to, it's nuts. These two, they've been going crazy all week. It's like, wow. He says, you is the problem. See, when you can't admit the problem, you become the problem. You do. I'm not a big fan of cats, but I kind of like that one. So I don't know. Anyway, so, but when you can't admit it, you become the problem. You've learned to function in your dysfunction. A lie believed as truth will affect you as if it's true. It's so key that you catch this. A few weeks ago, we did something supernatural. If you were here, you were, you were part of it. With those note cards that we had on our chairs, Many of you fill those out, and you put down secrets, and you put down sins, and you put down dysfunctions, and you put down messes in your life, and you wrote them down. Remember this? And then there was a cross here, remember? And then you took them up, and you laid them at the foot of the cross. Can I tell you something? I, I got those things, and I was so proud of our church. Because, because admitting it's the first step. And it's often the hardest step. And I watched people who wouldn't ever share those words with anybody. They would never speak those words to anybody. But they had the courage to write them down and put them at the foot of the cross. And now we've seen healing happen through that. Amazing. I've heard at least three stories of miracles from that. I'm telling you, this physical response creates a spiritual healing. And we saw it. It was amazing. So this is what I want to help you with. This is going to be really quick. I'm going to give you six questions, and they're not on the screen. I'm just going to say them. And I, I'm just asking you, do any of, the, do any of the, these resonate with you? And why I'm asking them is because you maybe have learned to function in your dysfunction. You maybe are at a point where you're not admitting something, but you really have a problem. I always say, if more than one person says you got a problem with something, there's a good chance you might have a problem. I mean, I'm just saying. So here's six questions for you to reflect on really quick. Like, do we have a problem? Do family and friends say you have a problem with something? If people that you love, and they love you, that's key, not just anybody, not Joe Blow on the internet, don't care what Joe Blow has to say, I care what my friends have to say that love me. That's what I care about, okay? If my friends and family say I got a problem, I could have a problem. Do you, do you, bless you, wow. Do you continue even though you're hurting others? Do you continue your behavior even though that you know you're hurting others? That's key. 
And by the way, I could answer yes to every one of these at certain different points in my life. Number three, do you arrange your schedule, your priorities, or your spending around around this, this dysfunction that maybe you don't think is a dysfunction? That's key. Can you go one week without it? That's what she said. Sorry, I'm just, I just threw that in there. I don't know why. That doesn't make sense. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I should stick to the script, shouldn't I? What is wrong with me? Pray for your pastor. <laughs> so... Can you go one week without it? Maybe that is, that, maybe that is the problem. I don't know. So is it, is it driving others away? God, come on, focus. Is, that's what he's saying. That's what he said. Okay, all right, stop. Is it driving others away? Is this mess that you're in that you don't think is a mess, is it driving others away? Oh, I can't, I can't keep a, I, I never, I just can't keep the right person in my life. Well, if the last four or five boyfriends or girlfriends you've had have all left, it might not, they might not be the common denominator. I'm just, there's, we always have to look at us first. Number six, are you denying it's a problem or trying to keep it a secret? Are you denying it's a problem or trying to keep it a secret? And I'm not saying those things to point fingers at anybody. I'm telling you, I could have answered yes to every one of those at different points in my life. We have to admit it. You got to admit it. That, that's why that card thing and laying it at the cross was so huge for our church. Admit it. Admit it and don't excuse it. Okay? Admit it and don't excuse it. This is so big that we catch this. Admit it and don't excuse it. Before you can tap into God's life-changing power, you have to eliminate excuses. You have to. I could show you verse 7 for the rest of our time together, and that's all you would need to look at. John 5, 7. John 5, 7. What's it say? All right. Since you asked, I'm going to tell you. I can't, sir, he said, the sick man said. I can't. You ready for the excuses? Here they come. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. And while I'm trying to get there, someone else is always getting ahead of me. Say excuses. 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 You know, that's when you're in the middle of excuses, you're in the middle of a jail. That's where you're at. You are locked up and you're looking, you're blaming and you're doing things. And I'm not, I'm telling you, I've been there. This is why this is so passionate for me because I've made these, I've lived this way. Oh God, and we'll say it to God too. You know what? There's no hope for me. I'll be overweight. My mom was overweight. My dad was overweight. They're, you know what? I'm just going to be overweight. I, I, spending, easy. Spending, gosh, God, devil's coming up in here real quick. So, um, Casey, watch this. So spending, I've always been a spender. I've always been in debt. I've always got payday advance loans. It's what we've always done. It's the way I was taught. I'll always be this way. I'll always be in debt. I'll always be messed up. Relationships, my family, we've always had divorce in our, in our family line. We've always had dysfunction in our family line. It's just the way it's been. I've always been a negative person. It's just the way I'm wired. You know, the glass for me is always half empty. It's always that way. I'll always be critical. I'll always be cynical. I'll always be, the, I'll always be these ways. This is the way it's always going to be. And we think that, listen to me, the the more we make excuses, the more we won't live our God-given purpose, okay? The more we make, the more excuses you make, the more you won't live in the breakthrough that God has for you. We can, at the end of the day, we can make excuses or we can make up our mind that today is the day, right? Today is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day. I can make excuses in my life or I can make up my mind that today is the day. Today is the day that new life begins. Breakthrough begins when the excuses end. Breakthrough begins when the excuses end. Do me a favor. Say, I can change. change. Say it again. I can change. change. Say, I will change. change. Say, I will change. change. 
And when the devil says that you can't or that you won't, you tell him that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Today is the day. Today is the day. Devil, today is my day, not yours. Verse 7, I said I could show it to you all day. I'll show it to you again. Put up verse 7 again. I can't, sir. I can't, sir. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. You know what my thought is when I read that? Dude, you've been by the pool for 38 years and you can't make one friend? What are you, a jerk? I mean, one friend? 38 years? I have no one to put me in the pool. You haven't built relationships with anybody for 38 years. That you can say, you know what, we've been doing life for seven years together. The next time that angel comes down, bubbles off the water, you just kick my butt right into the pool, I'll be next. You can't find somebody to help you do that? You know what I'd say to you? I would hang around some different people at that pool. I'd go to the other side of the pool, maybe check those people out. Think about that. That's nuts. I have no, you have nobody? No, this is why life groups are huge. This is why I tell you, you don't have to do life alone anymore. And you might say, well, I'm not doing life alone. I've got friends in my life. Are your friends ruthlessly, ruthlessly pointing you to Jesus? Are they? Will your friends that you have in your life, will they tell you what you want to hear or what you need to hear? What do, you, what do you really want? I mean, I want you to grow. I want purpose for your life. Like, my dream is that you live out your dream. But I know that it's going to be work. And I know that it's not going to be easy. One of the biggest misconceptions that people have about their God-given purpose is this. When I find my purpose, you know what? It's going to be smooth sailing. No, it won't. It will suck many days. It will be hard. You will be desperately needing Jesus every day. And if your life is smooth sailing, you're probably not living your purpose. It's just, it, it is so key that we catch this. This guy had nobody to help him. Are you kidding me? If you honestly want change, I wrote this down. If you honestly want change, say change. Change. Surround yourself with people who will help you. People who believe in you. Who is he surrounding himself with? Really? I can't talk about life groups enough. I'll keep talking about them because mine changes my life and I want yours to change yours. Every week it's different. Every week there's new people. It's just, I just need people to challenge me. I need people to make me uncomfortable. And I need people, I want to get in God's word with people. We're not Bible scholars. We don't have it all figured out. But we know the one who does. And we love each other and we do life with each other. Man, there's life group cards out there at guest services. If you're not in when I pray today, that'll be the step because that's what I want to ask you. There's, there's two things I want, to really, I want to really hammer home. Two questions that you have to answer. I can't answer them for you. Number one, what lie are you believing? I want you to honestly ask, ask, ask yourself that and answer that. And maybe you're pondering it. Maybe you're already writing it down because you're like, it's so obvious what lie I'm believing. I already know it. Or maybe you're going to take your piece of paper home and you're going to write it down in, in the, in, in, when you're alone. That's fine too. But I'm telling you something. This guy... I'm going to show you something about the scripture today that's going to blow your mind. But let me ask the questions first. What lie are you believing? And what step are you willing to take to get set free? What step are you willing to take? For some of you, it will be that life group. For some of you, it's going to be the prayer team after service. For some of you, it's going to be reaching out to somebody in confidence. For somebody, it's going to be crying out to somebody and saying, you know what? I've been addicted. I've been hiding this. And, and, and the pornography, it's out of control. And I desperately need help. You're not the only one struggling with that, by the way. There's a lot of people struggling with it. The devil wants you to believe you're alone in that, that you're all messed up, that it's your secret and no one else struggles. Are you kidding me? That's probably one of the biggest things that the devil uses to knock people out of their game and out of their purpose. 
people struggle, don't believe the lies of the enemy. We're going to replace it with the truth of Jesus Christ. What lie are you believing? What step are you willing to take to get well? I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, I'll just get personal with you. You know me. Lies I was believing in addiction. Number one, I believed that my drug addiction would make me happy. I believe it would ultimately bring me joy because it seems like when I first was doing it, it felt pretty good. But after a while, you keep chasing. And you keep chasing a thing that you think is going to bring you purpose and going to bring you life. And all it brought in my life is death. And then you know what the next lie I bought? The next lie I bought is when I found Jesus in the church, I thought, you know what? I could have my Jesus life. And then, but then I can still have a little bit of this fun life because the devil is so good. He's such a liar that he'll convince me, even though I'm ruining my friends and my family and my life, he'll convince you to hold on to it. Is that insane? You want to talk about insanity? So he's saying, Jesus says, Monty, I've given you life and I want to give it to the full. And he says the same thing for you. You can have it, but I was still in prison. Trying to live my life for Jesus over here and then living, trying to pursue death over here. That is insane. But that's what I was doing. And my mind kept believing, you can have it. You can have your cake and you can eat it too. You can still have fun in this world. And you, you can, lie. You know what my wife Jody would tell you her lie was? Her, my, and I love Jody. And, and I, want her, I never want her heart to change because she believed the best. But that's probably part of the problem. So the lie she would believe is, you know what? He'll change. Things will get better. You know, it's, it's been a long time. Seems like things are going in the right direction. But, but what God showed Jody is nothing changes if nothing changes. And if I don't change, if I don't start making some drastic changes, it's not just going to magically get better. But she, oh, she's optimistic. Glass is half full for her. I hope that never changes. She believed things will get better. But you know what she had to do? So that was a lie. Do you know what steps she had to take one day? Look me in the eyes and say, get out. Living your God-given purpose will not be easy. You'll have to make some hard decisions. That day was what felt like one of the worst days of my life. It turned into one of the best days of my life later. I mean, as I reflect now, how, how would she do that? How can she say that? How would she say that to me? After all those years, after all we've been through, she would make a decision. She would take a step to get well and say, get out. Do you want it? Say, do you want it? Do you want it? So let me close and tell you that the story that I read today is an incredible picture of God's love grace, mercy, forgiveness. It's amazing. But the more that I study the scripture, <laughs> the more I wonder, did that guy miss out on 30 plus years of his purpose? I, 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 I mean, I read it over and over and I, kept, I couldn't help but think, God, did you want to heal him in 38 months? No, God, did you want to heal him in 38 days? 38 years. Well, you might say, well, what do you expect him to do? The dude was crippled. Well, why do you say he was crippled? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says he was sick. Well, King James. Well, King James said he had an infirmity. You know what infirmity is? Mental or physical ailments. I mean, if that's the case, I got infirmities myself. A lot of them. So he wasn't crippled. I'll show you. When, I, mean, I think we hear the story we think he's some sort of a quadriplegic at the pool and has, he has no, I mean, unless someone's going to pick him up and throw him in, there's no chance. It's not true. Verse 7, let's show it again. What the heck? I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. While I'm trying to get there, oh, so you can move. So you can get there. 
Well, you're being kind of hard on him. I don't know. Oh, I, I can't help but... Here's what I kept thinking about this week. What about all the other people that got healing before him? I couldn't help but... I, I mean, I just... I kept thinking, I don't want to be him. I want to be, I want to be somebody else. Remember the, the scripture, verse 7? While I'm trying to get there, someone else gets there ahead of me. See, I want to be the somebody else. I'm grateful for what Jesus did in his life, but I, but I want to be the somebody else. I want to be the somebody else. Hundreds, if not thousands, of people were healed in that water before him. Over 38 years? Why? How did they get it when you couldn't get it? Man, I'm telling you, they believed in God. And not, and not only did they believe in God, but they took a step. They took a step towards his healing. See, when you believe in Jesus and that he has the power to change your life, your life will change emotionally, physically, spiritually, because that's what Jesus does. He's in the business of changing lives. Jesus, will you change us? Will you get us out of the prison that we're in? That's what I want. Can I tell you, with my life, I think I missed out on at least 10 years of purpose. Oh, pastor, God's timing is perfect. No, yeah, God will work with what he's got. All the mistakes I made. I should have been in ministry 10 years before. You know where I was? That's the pool. And for 10 years, I would sit outside the pool. 10 years floating around, chasing happiness, chasing joy, chasing selfishness, chasing what I thought would make me happy. At least 10 years. I'm not going to live there, okay? I'm moving forward. You need to know that. I'm just telling you. I don't want you to wait 38 years. I don't want you to wait 38 months. I don't want you to wait, I don't want you to wait 38 minutes to, to take what God has for you. When we move, God moves. When we move, God moves. When we move, God moves. I want to be the somebody else. Don't wait, okay? Do not wait. Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Don't wait. Well, God, isn't that crazy? You can say, Jesus, that guy's healed. He didn't even get in the water. The water, the angels didn't even come and stir it up. And I think Jesus would say, why are you waiting for a sign? Like, why are you waiting for an angel when the one who created the angel stands before you offering hope, healing, and life? I need to know, does somebody want to change? Do you want it? I want it. I want it. In rehab, they said, they pointed to a big group of us. First time I was in rehab, they said, percentages say of all this big group, two of you, say two. Two of you is going to make it. The rest will relapse. One guy stood up. I'm not kidding you. One guy stood up and he said, well, I know who one is. Who's the other one? I was like, dang, that's bold. It wasn't me. I knew it wasn't me. I didn't want it yet. God, I wish I would have. Do you want it? The man, <laughs> a moment in the presence of Jesus changes everything. That man was healed not because he was good. We could argue and say he didn't do anything to deserve what he got, but that's the gospel. He wasn't healed because he was good. He was healed because Jesus is good. Does that make sense? So, so, so where are you at in your mess? 
Where are you at in your dysfunction? Jesus literally brought you here today to, to not only heal you, but to set you free. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. I, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the answer to your deepest, deepest need. Don't just believe, I believe in you, God, but He wants you to sell out to Him. 95% surrender is still in jail. That's where you're at. I tried it. You gotta give Him all of you. It won't be easy. You need people in your life. You need the Word. You need the church. But that's why we're here. Will you surrender everything to Jesus today? Jesus Christ died for you. Three days later, he rose from the dead. That's the greatest miracle in history, by the way. If you can believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can be saved today. Saved, just a big glamorous word, meaning new life begins today. Holy Spirit enters you today. Five people. Did you celebrate five people giving their lives to Christ, Casey? We gotta celebrate that again. Five people last weekend, five! You know what I want? I want I'm praying for 500 today. Well, there's not even 500 in church. I don't care. My God's math is different. 500. I want life changed, and I believe that you do too. Will you call on the name of the Lord and be saved? Action items. Write down what lie you're believing. Write down what step you need to take. Take the step. And if you're ready to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ today, mark it on the card. Let us pray with you, and it's just the beginning. I want to pray for you. We're praying for revival in this place today. God is filling this church. I don't, we don't fill it to entertain each other. We fill it to give glory to God because he's changing your life. And if he's not changing your life, keep coming. He will, I promise you. Father, thank you so much for your truth and your word. The spirit of you is here today. A story of a man who from all intents and purposes did nothing to earn this healing, but you give it to him. You gave it to him. That's beautiful, God, and we'll take that. But I wonder this, God, as we pray to you, I wonder, did he miss out on 30 plus years of pouring into others? Because when we're somebody else, when we step into healing, rather than wait for you to come to us, we come to you, well, that means purpose can begin today. New life can begin today. And when new life starts in us, guess who it impacts, Father? You know the answer. It impacts others. Because our purpose is never about us. It's never been about us. When we sell out to the king, his name is Jesus, he may, we make it all about others. And then you start to use us, dysfunctional as we are. How do you do it? You use us to help others who are in need of you. God, I'm praying for revival in your house today. I'm praying for new life in your house today. I'm praying that people will take a next step towards you today, God. Help them step into a life group. Help them write down the lies. Help them replace it with truth. Help them pray with the prayer team. Help them open up. Don't let them leave here until they take a next step, God. Don't let them do it. They got here. They got out of bed. Let's bless them for it, God. Thank you so much for the gift of new life. In Jesus' name, I pray and we all say, amen and amen. Declaring something over you in this church today. Believing in something in your life today. See, I believe that today, as we close out giving glory to God, He's changing what we believe and even how we believe. That's what God wants to do in us. I don't know what your struggle is today. I don't know what your infirmity is today, but I'm gonna make a declaration for you. That sickness of whatever kind it is in your body or in your mind, it has no power in this place today. See, that's what we're believing. No more sickness. I'm gonna make a declaration for you today.
that depression that you're struggling with has no power in this place today. It doesn't. No power. I'm going to make a declaration over your life today that the addiction that you're in, it has no power in this place today. Somebody believe in that today? I want to make a declaration that the lies of the enemy have no power in this place today. Yeah, you can get excited. You might even want to stand to your feet and give God some glory because today we are declaring that God is in this place today and He has the power to change you and He has the power to save you. Do you believe it? I can't hear you. Do you believe it?